Did you know a podcast episode like this can provide literally dozens of marketing content assets for your business? It's brought to you by Content Monster, your go-to for engaging marketing content, like this podcast or remote video production. It's not just a podcast, it's your marketing powerhouse. Visit contentmonster.com to learn more. That's contentmonsta.com. Hello, listener, and welcome to Great Designs. My name is Tim Kilfoyle, and I'm happy to host our Great Designs podcast, shining light on the complicated world of electronic design. Great design can be a challenge on its own, but it can be tougher to know where and how to get good information. We know this, and we help navigate through it every day. We built the Great Designs podcast to be a low-pressure, content-rich environment with topics that matter to you. Make us a regular stop and be informed. Today, I just wanted to welcome Kip Weller. Kip, welcome aboard. Thanks, Tim. Kip and I have known each other since I started selling Sumitomo product back in approximately 2016 as a manufacturer's rep. But Kip, you've had a successful career prior to that. In fact, prior to selling Sumitomo and being a rep, you were in a completely different industry. I just wanted to ask, can you tell us or tell me what your career highlights and history have been since you started in industry? Well, Tim, because of my age, that goes way back. But uh, the I started uh, over 40 years ago in the basic industry. It's uh, selling for distribution. And uh, uh, one of our major product lines was tubing and sleeving materials. And the largest part of that was heat shrink. So I kind of grew up on heat shrink tubing. And uh, uh, I call myself a heat shrink geek, I guess, because it's something I've done for a long time. But the connector product, uh, I know in your history you had connector product as well. Was the was this as a product manager? Was it as a salesperson? You were in distribution, I know as well. What what was the path like that you followed? Well, you know, I looking back on things, I consider myself very fortunate. The company I started working for initially, uh, I worked for for many years. Uh, I remember they carded themselves or called themselves a technically oriented limited line distributor. Okay. And I really didn't think much about that because it's the only only way I had seen distribution. But I think we probably had something like 15 lines that we were selling, but they were they were grouped pretty tightly into uh, tubing materials, uh, tubing and insulation materials, and then connector materials, and then a third group was uh, soldering, wave soldering uh, alloys and chemicals. So we really had a the guy who the guy who uh, owned the business uh, actually was a manufacturer's rep. And one of his product lines, which was heat shrink tubing, was really starting to take off. It was pretty new back in the 80s. And so he had the opportunity to start a distribution company to support that. So we, we really, as I look back on it, we kind of sold as a stocking rep. Uh, more technically oriented, hands-on with the product. Uh, uh, we're expected to know the product lines really, really well uh, to help the customers. And uh, so that was my start in it. Uh, working in sales for a number of years and getting transferred and uh, promoted to different things. And at one point in time, when our company bought another distributor, uh, I ended up moving and the distributor that we acquired didn't, did not have connectors. So I was asked to be a connector product manager to help bring people up to speed and help train people. So I, for a period of time, I focused uh, pretty heavily on uh, connectors and interconnect products. Okay. Interesting. So what about the path you followed geographically? Was this uh, 
you, you're in Chicago now, I know. Where did you start out? The company I worked for was headquartered in Ithaca, New York, and I was in Syracuse. And it was a regional distributor up and down the East Coast. So I was in upstate New York for three or four years, and uh, I moved to New England with my wife and family, uh, moving to Connecticut. And then we acquired a New England distributor, so I got absorbed into that. And uh, a few years later, uh, they needed somebody to run a branch in Connecticut. So I, I moved initially from Syracuse to New Hampshire to upstate, uh, rather to New England, living in New Hampshire, and then down into Connecticut. Was there for three or four years. And then the company bought another distributor here in the Midwest. And uh, after a period of time, they needed somebody to transition out here to run the operations in the Midwest. So it seemed like I was good for three or four years. Then people got tired of me and I got moved to another area. So at this point, you're, you're still in sales. You've moved into product management. You're in what city? We moved to St. Charles, which is uh, sub western suburbs, about a half an hour west of O'Hare Airport. And uh, I'd been running a branch in, uh, in Connecticut. I went from a product manager to a branch manager. And then when I moved out here to the Midwest, I was running the company they bought, uh, which had locations in uh, St. Louis and Wichita. And our home office for the Midwest was in Carroll Stream, another suburb nearby. Great. So I've sold into that distribution market, of course, for a number of years. I know it pretty well. But it's good to hear the story and have you kind of draw the path for us because you've been, well, it sounds like you've been all over the eastern half of the country. So because we're both reps at this point, which is going to be changing, but we'll get into that in just a little bit of time, uh, share with me some of the applications, the best applications you've seen. You can pick it. Connectors, heat shrink tubing, although I am interested because if you've got such a deep history in heat shrink tubing, Give me some of the best applications you've worked on over the years or most memorable. You know, there's, there's, just, there's just so many through time in different markets. You know, in New England, we were heavily military. Uh, when we moved out here to the Midwest, uh, suddenly we were right in the middle of automotive business. Uh, I'm just kind of filtering through different applications. You know, in, in both the, the, air, in the military and in the automotive industry, there are high temperature applications like under hood in the automotive and in the engine compartments and aircraft. So dealing with high temperature materials, uh, in many cases, there's uh, sealing requirements. So, you know, picking the right, to, to me, tubing, you know, tubing happens to be round, but it's, it's, a, it's a plastic material. And I always looked at what are customers trying to do? Are they trying to insulate or protect against the weather or protect against chemicals? Uh, so there are just, there are so many ways to use these materials. I'll give you one instance just off the top of my head. And, and uh, it was here in the Midwest, but it was for aircraft, military application, where, and where a customer wanted to, they wanted to use a rather high-performance material. And, you know, you can look at these heat shrink tubing materials. You can look at them by temperature as a performance criteria, but you can also look at them as uh, uh, environmental, how they'll stand up to solvents or JP4 jet uh, fuel or transmission fluid or whatever. And they needed a material, they wanted a material that was high performance chemically that would stand up to solvents and different things. But typically, as you raise the performance of these materials, as you go into the higher performance materials, they elevate both in temperature as well as environmental or chemical resistance. And one of the challenges they had is they wanted a high performance material, which 
ends up having a higher heat shrink temperature, but the component, the the actuator or the solenoid or whatever it was they were recovering this on, did not like temperature. If you used a high temperature material and shrunk it on this component, which was a little larger than the size of your thumb, but it was a cylindrical component, you would degrade the performance of the of the uh, component. You would damage the insulation that was down inside the material. And there didn't seem to be an easy solution to it. What we found we could do, though, and this came from other applications I'd seen many years earlier in aircraft uh, coaxial cable applications, is if you could take that, that heat-sensitive component and wrap it or cover it with a layer of insulation material that would act as a thermal barrier. So you could wrap it. In this case, we wrapped it with PTFE tape just to try it. And if you think of PTFE tape, if you've ever worked with plumbing, it's that white tape you wrap around the threads to seal things. Sure. But like most plastics, they're good electrical insulators, but they're also good thermal insulators. They don't conduct temperature very well. So we wrap this actuator with PTFE tape, then we shrunk the high temperature material on it. And then the customer was gonna take it off and go test it to see how it would work. And I was really convinced that, that it would make a big difference but I couldn't wait for the customer's feedback on how it would work. So I came back and did the same thing in my home shop. And I first, I shrunk the material directly onto a component. I just used a round metal component. And I put a thermocouple under there to see how much temperature that component was seeing. Then I did the same thing, but I wrapped, I put the thermocouple on the, on the dummy component and I wrapped it with the PTFE tape. And then I put the heat shrink tubing on it. And the exposure that the substrate or the component saw dropped by like 150 degrees F. Wow. It was huge. And I realized then in applications afterwards, if a customer has a heat-sensitive component that they want to put heat shrink tubing on, but they just don't think they can use it, all they have to do is wrap that component with something. It could be electrical tape. It could be silicone, fiberglass, PTFE. Sure. And it's a thermal barrier. And, but Kip, uh, you're just a sales guy. You're not supposed to know all this. I know. I get I get dinged for that a lot. Saying so you're not a you're not you're not a, you're not our our design engineer in the lab. But I think I am, so I do it anyway. So well, that's great. So you mentioned your home shop because I, I want to ask you about these YouTube videos that you've put together. It's seemingly more common with many of the manufacturers that are out there. It's a great tool. I'm just not seeing anybody else do this. Just give us a little background on, on how you started doing that and why. You know, I thought about that, Tim, and, and I didn't even realize how it evolved, but it started with, I years ago, I started taking pictures of applications when I'm with a customer. Uh, and of course, some customers don't want you to. And it kills me when I see a sales guy pull out his phone and start snapping pictures without saying, Customer, would this be okay if I took a picture? Sure. Although they often let you know quickly if they're sensitive to it. Oh, yeah, but I always ask. And sure. I think the reason I, the reason I started doing that was twofold. One is some customer would call me and say, remember that application we worked on three years ago? And I would kind of scratch my head and say, eh, not sure. So I found if I saved a couple of pictures of applications to each customer's folder, then when the person would call me, I could pull up the picture and go, oh, yeah, I remember that. But the other thing I like to do with the pictures is I would, after addressing an application, I would share them with my inside salesperson at the factory that I'm working for. And that brings them right into the application, just like they were there with you. But also when they go into their weekly 
sales meetings there at the factory, they get to have some pictures of what they've been working on with me. Sure. And so that lit them up. Anyway, from taking pictures, at some point in time, I took a couple of videos because there was moving part involved. There was a conveyor. There was something happening that I wanted to capture. And I saved the video, I think, to a customer's file and and did a number of those. But at some point in time, I was thinking, where's that video of that particular application? And I couldn't remember if it was in Raytheon or McDonnell Douglas or Motorola, where I saved that. So I started saving videos to customer video folders so I could find them. Uh, and sometimes I'd send it to a customer as well saying, hey, here's what we did today. In case that helps, here's a video for your for your review. But of course, the videos take a lot of space on your computer. And also, I realized that if the video is more than 15 or 20 seconds, you don't have much chance of emailing it to anybody because it's too darn big. Right. And then due to some other things I work on and hobbies and things within my church and stuff, I started realizing, hey, I, maybe I can save these things to YouTube which means they're not taking space on my computer, but I can save longer ones, like three or four or five minutes, and I can share them because I don't have to send you the video. I just send you the link to watch the video. And so any time I see an application that's different than something I already have, if it's interesting or maybe valuable to the folks at the factory or other salespeople, I just save it, uh, save it to YouTube. And I probably have 40 or 50 different videos on a topic like heat-shrink tubing. And in addition to the things that people like Sumitomo have on their, you know, on their site for how to use the Sumimark machine and how do you maintain it and how do you change blades. Uh, but if there's something that isn't already on one of our principal sites, I try to save it to share with the folks we work with. So, Yeah, it's a much, well, it's, of course, it's easy to see what's going on in the video, but it's a very relevant, in fact, it's becoming more relevant, it seems, despite the fact that it's been around for so long. Uh, it's a much more relevant way these days of getting connected with customers, especially in a work from home environment. But, uh, well, that's interesting. I, I have watched the videos and I like them. It's an easy way to have someone like you explain either an issue with a part or a potential issue or a behavior of a part, et cetera. Uh, real world, real time. It's, it's great to see. So we've talked about Sumitomo a little bit. I mean, your path down sort of your career lane was distribution it involved interconnect it's involved heat shrinkable product for many different manufacturers both as a salesperson a product manager and so forth but as you became you you've sort of moved out of distribution at some point into a business owner so you became a manufacturer's rep specifically for Sumitomo and others but tell me a little bit about that transition how did it come to pass that you came out of distribution, and became a business owner. Well, you know, I'd like to say it was some some grand design on my part. But like most things, you know, you look back and realize uh, things happen that, that cause you to make decisions. Our company ended up uh, getting sold to a, uh, a national, one of, the, one of the larger distributors. And being in the industry, I had, I've, I've met and known people that work for I won't use the names, but the big distributors, the big nationals or whatever. Sure. And when I would see their line card, I, I'd just scratch my head and say, how do, you, how do you sit in front of a customer when you've got 200 lines and 40 different product categories from fans to switches to motors to passives to connectors? How can you, how can you know much about anything that can help you help the customer? And uh, I'm sure there's a lot of value in what they do. Uh, I saw it as uh, sitting in front of purchasing, taking orders or whatever. 
Uh, but when our company got bought and it was a much larger, uh, wide line distributor, uh, I knew pretty quickly, even at a management level, because because I wasn't selling, I was managing sales offices. That just wasn't something that fit well for me. So I, uh, my grand plan was to take a summer off because we have friends that are teachers, and I was always envious they get a summer off, right? So I said, okay, it's time to take a summer off. So I, I, uh, I quit my job and bought a boat so I could take my kids skiing on the local river and uh, took the summer to figure out what was next. And what was next for me was doing the same thing I've always done, but doing it as a manufacturer's rep. And I, what attracted me to that about that was it was just purely selling or helping customers with these products and uh, without having to touch the boxes, without having sure. to worry about the warehouses, just actually uh, interfacing between the factory and the customer to try to get customers the right product, the right solution uh, for their applications. And who was the first line? Who did you bring on board when you started? Well, you know, I, I looked at it, Tim, and I, I thought I would take an approach uh, like I said about distribution, I wanted to have a narrow line card uh, where I could uh, be technically proficient. So I decided to focus on tubing materials. I'd seen one other rep firm in New England do this, do that with connectors. They handled nothing but connectors. And one of their people described, said to me, they said, we can handle every connector on the earth because they all work the same. He said, it's all, it's all a gazinta. You've got a male, male contact going into a female contact, and there's plating. So I thought I would do that with tubing. Uh, boy, you're stretching my memory here. But uh, one of the companies I represented was Inseltab that did extruded and heat shrink tubing. And uh, I also uh, had a past a little bit of an association with a very interesting company that made very unique medical tubing. Uh, it got as thin as a quarter of a thousandth of an inch. Wow. And, and so I wanted to have tubing to cover medical, to cover fiber optics, to cover automotive, aerospace. I didn't care what the industry was. If somebody had an application, whether it's high temp, low temp, chemical, it didn't matter what it was. I wanted to either have a solution or be able to tell them where they could get one. And so I started adding tubing materials to the line card. Uh, at some point, I wanted to add uh, complementary materials. So I had a... Uh, a small uh, company that made a small conveyorized oven. I represented one of the larger heat gun manufacturers. Uh, at one point, I brought on a company that did surface treating like Corona and Plasma so that you could treat materials so you could bond them better. Uh, I wanted to be able to address everything that a customer might want, like in a medical application or an aerospace application. Got it. But it had, it, it, it had to have some function with tubing or it didn't make sense to me. And at some point, Sumitomo came along, but you probably—I think you—you've—you had history with them through distribution. But how did they? How did they come on board? Uh, well, Sumitomo was was always recognized, uh, in my opinion, as probably the second largest uh, in the heat shrink manufacturers. And in the early years, when I was in distribution, we were representing the largest manufacturer, you know the name, but the largest manufacturer of heat shrink tubing, and we were the largest distributor for them. So it was a big, big product line to us. But there was this Sumitomo company, and they, they would do things like come up with something just like what the larger company made, but a little bit better. Uh, their, their, their kinar, they came up with a clearer version. 
Their, their, their high ratio materials shrank better. Their four to one materials shrank better. They, they always seem to do things, but do them a little bit better. And so I was aware of Sumitomo for years. And as my rep business progressed, uh, I was representing the largest uh, heat shrink tubing manufacturer, just as we had in distribution. It was a big line for me. Uh, but they got bigger and bigger and they got bought by other larger companies. And, uh, uh, at one point in time, my business was large enough, I chose to uh, not represent them anymore. I wasn't planning on replacing them. I just thought it's not what I need to be doing. And down the road a few more years, uh, I knew some of the people at Sumitomo. I'd worked with some of them in the past, and the opportunity uh, presented itself to represent them in my area, and it was a perfect fit. Yeah. Because I was missing that core polyolefin kinar cross-linked, the, the meat and potatoes of heat shrink, if you will. So Sumitomo, and from some position of familiarity, I can say they are, it's an interesting company. It's an old company. And when I say old, almost to to an age we don't understand here in North America, they're hundreds of years old, this company. Um, And it's worth probably having a discussion on them, maybe even a podcast like this at some point in the future, just because they're such an interesting company. But we've done well with them through the time, as you have, and this is about the time when you and I got to know each other. We met, I think, first at a wire expo up in Milwaukee, I want to say. Uh, but I came into the business selling heat shrink tubing through an acquisition, and then we met you. So what you've described for us today is what I've experienced with you, which is to say a salesperson who knows a whole lot about the product and loves to share it. And as I think about that path that you followed here through pro- program management, product management, sales management, manufacturer's rep, et cetera, this FAE position, if you didn't find it, it found you. In some way, this thing was always going to connect itself to you. And I mean to say this label of FAE. So when you and I spoke probably a year ago, you mentioned that it was an it was an interest of yours. You enjoyed sales. It's been a part of your career, but you you seem to have some calling to being an FAE. So for the for the term here, I'm just going to spell it out for everybody. Field Applications Engineer, FAE. But why don't you tell us, Kip, what it means to you and why you were drawn to it? You know, Tim, I, I don't know. You probably have, you might be able to take a better guess at when did the term FAE or the title FAE be, get invented? You know, it's, it's like- It's been it, some time because I've been in the industry for 28 years and I've known of it since day one. So yeah. it's been around for a while. Well, you know, I was thinking about it like a physician's assistant in the medical industry. I've got friends that are physician's assistant, which is a great position, but I don't think it always it always existed. But I know some years ago, 10, 20, whenever, when, when I saw some of the companies that we worked for, worked with, uh, bring on the FAE as, as, a, as a segment and what they were going to do, they said, okay, we're going to have FAEs covering parts of the country or supporting our salespeople. Uh, I knew a lot of those people, and they were the guys carrying the toolboxes and out on the production line helping the customers. And as a salesperson, I think I've told you this before, I realized early on people sell differently based on your personality and your strengths. You know, some people do a lot of entertaining and going to ball games, and other people other people like to do boardroom presentations. I always, I've, I told you, I've always sold like an FAE. I was always the guy with the tool bag working with the customer out in the shop. It's what I like doing. It's where I brought the most value. And I always figured if I help the customer enough and I help them solve their problem and get them the right product and show them the right tools to use, chances are pretty good they're going to end up 
given us the opportunity to, to provide them the product. They're going to buy from us. But I never went into it with the, here, let me sell you something. I always went into it with the, let's see if we can help you with something. And then if it makes sense, you can buy our product. If it doesn't, I understand you found a better solution. So the FAE role is, I've always sold like an FAE. And at this later point in my career, we won't go into ages, but at this later point, uh, I've had a couple of companies I've worked for uh, who started implementing the FAE role that have talked to me about, why don't you come to work for us and be an FAE? And I said, nah, I've got my own business. I'm good. I'll just sell like an FAE. I was going to have my cake and eat it too, right? Uh, and then, then when you contacted me earlier, much earlier this year, and we started talking about business and what were my plans and how long was I going to be doing this without calling me an old guy, uh, uh, we started talking about, you know, what your plans were for your business and what I like best about my business. And this role just fit me perfectly. So instead of just acting like an FA or selling like an FA, I get to focus on it and, uh, you know, focus just on that part of it. How can I help customers? How can I uh, uh, help find solutions to challenging applications, hopefully large challenging applications? And if I'm not doing that directly with a customer, how can I support your people in uh, in doing that when they come across challenges? Yep. So as we look forward and we think about the sort of ever-present COVID situation, um, I want to bring this this whole topic. We've we've sort of weaved the path now through your career and and up to present day FAE, but I want to paint the picture for the my fae which is really this product that we're putting together and launching here within killfoil and so the the product itself is really a service platform which is where you come into this and that's really what brought us together at the early part of this year and and moving forward but so the my fae platform i'm going to spell this out for everyone so they can understand it in this covid present era where things continue to be coming at us in waves, literally. We have a customer base who's become, I'll say, less accessible. I think that's the best way to say it. In many cases, they're working from home, maybe five days a week, maybe three days a week, maybe two days a week. It doesn't matter a whole lot because they're out of the office. And you as a salesperson know this. And of course, as a salesperson myself, I know it. Our salespeople over the past couple of years have struggled to get new contacts in engineering. And what we hear now regularly, and this is just some anecdotal information that I that I hear on a daily basis now, which is engineers move quite frequently, especially in Detroit and automotive. They're moving out of the large companies into different industries, et cetera. But it has made things difficult getting to certain contacts. So the idea for the MyFAE platform was this young engineer coming out of school today, how do we get in front of them? When they're digital self-reliant, they're digital natives, as they call them, they've got all of the capabilities they need electronically and digitally to get the information they need off the website. And by the way, they've got great tools now, Google and DigiKey and what else do you need? So it's become difficult to get in front of them with information that we might find relevant to what they're trying to do. We just need to get it in front of them. So this MyFAE platform is more about getting technical details and solutions into the hands of engineers immediately. So we say instantly accessible, instant answers. So 
you, Kip, will be our first. We're launching this thing in January. You're going to be our first FAE. It's going to be on interconnect product and heat shrink, tube, heat shrink tubing and heat shrinkable product from Heller and Titan. But I want to get your sense. You're sort of at the other end of the career than it would be for some of these young engineers. You've seen it. You've dealt with them over the past you know, number of years. Talk to us about your perspective in engaging with young engineers as it relates to this MyFAE platform, which is an online instant access, single click access uh, to an answer person who in this case happens to be you. You know, Tim, your, your, your beginning comment about uh, COVID, I think is spot on, but I think it just accelerated a trend we were already seeing. I, I know, uh, I can't remember when the last economic downturn, the big one was, but I remember somebody at the wire processing show or some show commenting that not many people were showing up the year after that uh, or the year of that or the year after because of the economy. And then the, the comment was, and people have realized they can get their answers. They can see that conveyor system or that connector system online, on a video, on Google. They don't really need to come to this show anymore. So it's a trend, I think, that was already in place. People realizing that you can do more online and you can do more with technology. Uh, so it was already coming. Uh, so technology changes the way everything uh, everything works. I think I think younger people, smarter people uh, that have used this technology can get more out of it than we can imagine. And one of the things I think fits with this my FAE thing is I think we talked on a, about it on a different occasion. Is if you've got a group of salespeople in your company as a rep or as a distributor. If you get a hold of one salesperson, he may that person may know a lot about connectors, but not as much about resistors or whatever else you sell. But if you call a different person, they might be the expert on resistors, but not on connectors. They all know something about it all, but but you may not be getting an expert. So the person, the customer, the young engineer, the any age, engineer buyer calls your company and gets a hold of a person. They may get the help they need. They may not quite get all the way there. They might be get some general information, but not the specific information that's really going to solve that problem. But to me, there's probably somebody in your business that had the right answer, but it just wasn't the person that happened to be assigned to that customer or that territory. So with to me, the my FAE thing really provides a lot of potential potentially provides a lot of value because that person that that platform, that technology says, if you're interested in this product, hit this button or go in this direction and we'll put you in touch with our most knowledgeable person on that particular product group. And and that person isn't isn't there. I'm not there to sell you anything. I'm just there to talk about whatever it is you want to talk about. Do you have a high temperature application? Do you have a product that's currently being used and it's not working? Uh, is production too slow? Is it costing you too much to put it together? You know, whatever it is, if we if we have the knowledge, if we can provide you the information to solve the problem, our job is done. We've done that for the customer. And if it happens to be working with our product, great. Uh, if our if we can introduce our product as part of the solution, great. But it might be just a piece of equipment. It might be a technique. It might be, uh, uh, you know, I've I've said it's not just the product. It's it's helping the customer outside the product. You know, with heat shrink tubing, it might be. A better tubing material, but it might be a better heat gun. It might be a conveyor system. It might be a particular type of oven that we've seen other people use that we don't handle, but we can certainly tell the customer, hey, 
here's something you might want to try. Oh, and by the way, I'll send you a video link you can see it working. Uh, so if we can help the customer with 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 the product or with some associated material or information, great. And in my in my experience, in my opinion, is that might end up being uh, uh, might end up uh, resulting in a piece of business for us. It might not. But if we help the customer, the next time they need help in that area, they'll come back to us. We can help them again. If you help enough, if you what is it? Zig, Zig, Zig Ziglar said, "If you help other people enough, other people get what they want, you'll get what you want." Right. You know what goes around comes around. So exactly. So it's worth noting, and you hit it on the head there with the non-sales approach to the MyFAE platform, and that is one of the tenets I'll say that this is being built on is the fact that if an engineer is calling for te- technical information then give them exactly what they want and don't slide something in there that's sales because that is not the intention of this. The intention is really to get the right information to the right people at the right time, meaning exactly when they want it. We've we've talked at length about distribution here today, but also in the previous podcast we did and the number of services that they're putting together to offer customers, which is great. And we utilize some of that when it Uh, is to the benefit of one of the manufacturers we're selling through distribution. But the problem is the the shelf space in distribution is getting more and more crowded. You mentioned it before when when your company was acquired by one of the larger distributors, a broadline distributor, suddenly the shelves get, get very crowded and it's difficult or can be difficult to distinguish yourself from your competitors. So this is one way we're trying to do it. We're trying to meet the customer where they are if they're if they're new engineers or if they're work from home engineers who are at any age, it doesn't matter. If if you are inaccessible through the office, you can't have a technical salesperson visit you or answer a question or provide a solution. This is giving you access to an FAE that can answer the question. So just to sort of color in a little bit of the the platform, it'll be an instant access. Now that is probably two clicks to get from your computer listener to KIP. And that'll be Kip's face looking at you through your screen. If you choose it that way, you can also do it just through an audio connection. But the bigger point is it's really just a technical request solution provided that way. It's not anything in the way of a sales uh, pull. There's not a whole lot that we're going to do to pull information out of you except to make sure we've got what it is that you're looking for. So, But again, we're trying to meet the customer where they are, which is to say work from home, maybe at home. Of course, it could be from work as well, but Kip's going to be our first. So it'll be heat shrinkable tubing product, which of course is Sumitomo. It'll be heat shrinkable boots and molded shapes, which is from Hellerman Titan, as well as interconnect product. And that'll be Palcon type product or Harwin primarily, which is a high reliability connector manufacturer out of the UK. But Kip's got great experience in most of these products, as you've heard today, in many different markets, including aerospace, military, automotive, as well as industrial and consumer. So I don't think, Kip, that we could have picked a better person uh, for this role and for this rollout, if for no other reason than the timing really worked out well. And we just like you as a person. I think that's as good a reason as any, but you're your character, the content of your career, your capabilities, I mean, all of it. It speaks very well to who you are as a person, as well as uh, an engineer and salesperson. So we're excited to get started. I don't well, know if you have anything more to say on on my FAE. but No, Tim, I appreciate the comments. My my head might not fit on the screen but anymore. But, 
you know, your comments about distribution and working with distribution, I want to be clear. There are a lot of different ways, you know, we deal with uh, distributors that are in the plastics industry or in the wiring cable industry or broadline distributors. Every distributor is different and, and uh, I respect the way they run their business, but oftentimes they can't be uh, an expert in, in every single product. And when, when, when I work with a customer, uh, I, I try to look at, okay, what's the right material? How much of it you're going to need? How fast are you going to need it? Are you going to need to cut up in little pieces? Or are you going to want to buy it on reels? Uh, distributors, uh, almost all of our business, let's, let's say with Sumitomo, goes through distribution. So who's the customer going to get the product from? If he's already got a distributor that he's working with, the customer's working with, great. We'll work with that distributor to make sure that they get the right material in place. If you're not already working with a distributor, we can help connect you with one. Uh, that distributor can provide the cutting surfaces in many cases, sometimes mark tubing, uh, whatever it is. That my my thought is that when I'm finished talking to the customer, I want to offer them the right product in the right format, whether it's, gee, uh, do you want that already cut or do you want to have to deal with that in-house? Uh, we, can, we can make sure you're aligned with the distributor that can provide you the stock, the cutting, uh, so we bring value, if we do the job right, we bring value to the customer. We bring value to our partner, the distributor. Uh, I want to end that I want to end that interaction with the customer that everything's all set. He can buy exactly what he what he wanted, fix the fix the problem so he doesn't have to go back and visit it again. And we don't have to talk about that again. Uh, every time we 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 talk to the customer, that application's still going great. His product line's work, working great. Uh, let's look at the new ch next challenge, you know? Yep. Well, we'll roll this out in 22 and you're going to be front and center. I want to thank everyone for listening today. Kip Weller is going to be joining the Kilfoyle team as of January 1. He's going to be the first FAE on the My FAE platform. You'll be able to find it on LinkedIn. You'll be able to find it through our website. And there will be more marketing pieces released here soon. You can probably find it through your local salesperson as well who's out in the field working for us. Kip, thanks again. I appreciate your time today, and I look forward to working with you more closely. Same here, Tim. Uh, I look forward to it and appreciate it as well. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into Great Designs, our low-pressure, content-rich environment where we cover topics related to superior designs and electronics. Our content is posted here once a month, and we hope to catch you on our next episode. Did you know a podcast episode like this can provide literally dozens of marketing content assets for your business? It's brought to you by Content Monster, your go-to for engaging marketing content like this podcast or remote video production. It's not just a podcast. It's your marketing powerhouse. Visit ContentMonsta.com to learn more. That's ContentMonsta.com.